Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning again. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. It is Wednesday, the 7th of December, 2022. This is hour two of Mornings with Carmen. If you missed hour one, it was a little bit long. Yeah, so I apologize for running over the uh, end of the hour in the last hour. Um, You can go back and listen to it later at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. It will also have uh, the show notes, both at MyFaithRadio.com and in your podcast descriptions. And the reason you're going to want those show notes is because a lot of you are asking about that um, about that statistical information, um, what they are calling the infidelity index uh, for 200 major U.S. cities. You're like, how did they come up with that? What, you know, what did they evaluate? I don't think that could possibly be true. Um, well, they uh, uh it's all outlined there and you can find the links for uh for the direct information and the sourcing related to that as well it's you know, suffice it to say it's a lot of math it boils down to this you are more vulnerable to temptation leading you to make poor decisions unfaithful choices if you live in a city with a higher infidelity index because in those places marriage is simply not held in honor like that's what this boils down to so where you live actually does matter in terms of the encouragement um, to be faithful in your marriage or chaste in your singleness. Um, I have a little good news this morning. The annual State of Giving report from the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, which is just known as ECFA, they found that giving to ministries increased more in 2021 than it had in any year in the last decade. That's pretty extraordinary. Um, And so... uh, some $19 billion in donations in 2021 to evangelical causes in the United States of America and Canada, where ECFA members are located. Um, so that's a, that's a significant increase in, in giving. Christians are excited and optimistic about the work of organizations like this, Faith Radio. And so thank you so much for each and every one of you that contribute financially to this ministry. It is listener-supported ministry. And we thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for it. Um, And uh, we hope that you are encouraged by the ministry that takes place over these airwaves. Um, And so thank you. Um, Is your company having a Christmas party this year? Apparently, there is the return of the corporate Christmas party. And as that happens, I think there's an opportunity for um, for Christians in the culture. Holiday parties or quote-unquote Christmas parties tend to be uh, places where Christ is not exalted. Maybe that's a nice way of saying it. Um, but I don't want us to abandon the opportunity to be people of influence in at these events and in these locations. So um, let me encourage you, if your company is having a Christmas party, um, that you attend. 
um, and that you be of encouragement and that you uh, arrive in the genuine spirit of Christmas. And then also that you invite your colleagues to participate with you um, in other Christmas events. Maybe maybe you host um, your your colleagues from work um, at an open house at your own home, or maybe you invite them to join you for something that's taking place at your church. Um, like capitalize on the opportunities that exist in this season to bear witness in positive ways to people at work. Um, if you're having, if your company is having a Christmas party, then guess what? I mean, whether they know it or not, they're inviting Christ um, into that space. And I know you may not feel like you can expressly um, evangelize in those uh, at those times and in those places, but you can um, bear positive public witness by showing up, participating as a Christian, even in the midst of something that. Um, uh, isn't necessarily expressly designed to give him honor, but maybe it is. And so if you can influence what takes place at your corporate Christmas party, maybe you are the business owner, um, there's a real opportunity there to um, to influence uh, people during this during this particular season. So Bill English is going to join us next from BibleAndBusiness.com. We're going to talk about the Fed one more time, one more time. Are they going to raise interest rates one more time before the end of the year? It would be nice to know. Um, We're going to do a little forecasting with Bill English. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. English is back. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, Carmen. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much. You are. My you um, are. my grocery cart was really expensive this week, and I didn't even buy a lot of meat. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, um, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like inflationary pressure is being relieved. I mean, I, yes, gas prices are coming down, but nothing else seems to be coming down. Can you just kind of read us in on the current state of the economy? Yeah, the economy is still in flux. Inflation is still a real thing. Uh, my wife, uh, my beautiful, gorgeous, wonderful wife, commented on how much uh, chicken was costing. And uh, yeah, no, you can't afford to buy chicken. Like I. Yeah, no, we're going to have something other than chicken. I am, however, yeah. not having figgy pudding flavored spam, which is apparently out there this year. Yeah, we are not doing that. You know, if you were a true Minnesotan, you would not speak negatively of spam. I'm not speaking negatively of spam, but figgy <laughs> pudding flavored spam. I am I going know. to speak negatively of that. I know. My wife bought pumpkin flavored Cheerios. Mm. I'm like, you, you've got to be kidding me. So I don't know. <laughs> But, um, uh, yeah, okay, so in, the Fed. Is here. Yeah, so the Fed looks at all of that and says what? More interest rate rises, right? We we still got to drive up the interest rate here to slow the economy, and and the the idea is that if we slow the economy, we will slow the demand for money. And if we slow the demand for money, then the velocity of at which the money changes hands in the economy will also slow 
and and, and that will then bring down the inflation rate. Look, <clears throat> one of the things you have to have to have inflation is a certain level of velocity of money. In other words, how how many times is it changing hands in a given time period? And so uh, when you have high velocity of the on the money, that's a key driver to inflation. So you increase the cost, you you reduce the demand, you reduce the velocity, therefore you reduce the inflation. Okay. This has nothing to do with that, but uh, because, yeah. you know, I get distracted so easily. And so I just Googled Figgy putting spam just to, you know, check out what the reviews are. Um, apparently it tastes like hot dog fruitcake. <laughs> no. I, I don't even That's know what, what it I don't says. I don't think about that. I don't either. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for the momentary distraction from the discussion about inflation and the interest rates. Okay. So I read uh, in one place that it's possible that the Fed could be looking to drive interest rates up maybe uh, to a point of like 5% and then hold. What does that look like? If, if they drive that rate up to 5%, what does that mean people applying for mortgages would be looking at? Like translated yeah, into people, real, like real numbers for us. Well, you know, Prime is also um, their interest rate plus a, a certain uh, percentage, usually one, one and a half percent. So, you know, Prime will probably be at six, six and a half percent if they do that. I personally think they're going to have to get this to about six percent to really, uh, their rate is going to have to get to six percent to really start to f- uh, slow the inflation. It is down from eight points, I think it was 8.7. It's down to 7.7 now. So we're making progress. Uh, but I think they're going to have to get that interest rate uh, well above 5%, quite frankly. And I think they'll be uh, dealing with this into probably Q2 of next year. Mm, okay. Um, we're going to take a very brief break. When we come back, um, we're going to talk with Bill about the increased presence of and reliance upon chaplains inside places of work as Americans um, are fewer and fewer going to traditional church um, or aligned with um, traditional religious organizations, but obviously still need spiritual care. So the role of chaplains in the workplace is on the rise. We're going to talk about that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Yeah, I'm sure that Paul Perot is now going to besiege us with pro-spam. He's going to spam us with spam I lived, for the I next lived uh, several seven minutes. months in Austin, Minnesota, where it is made, uh, the Hormel Company. Don't say Hormel down there. It's the George A. Hormel Company. They will correct mm. you, even mm. though everybody else calls it Hormel. But yes, um, spam. Yes. Good. Mm. Yes. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Um, chaplains. Chaplaincy is on the rise in uh, places big and small in the United States of America. Uh, an increasing number of people in the United States um, 
have contact with a chaplain. Um, and uh, I read a recent um, a recent article just about a person who had made some choices related to the end of his life and hospice sent a chaplain, but that chaplain, you know, that person's views did not align with, um, with the views of the person who was choosing um, the manner and time of his own death. And so we are in a complicated, <laughs> complicated era. Fewer people have real pastors because fewer people are engaged in traditional um, congregations. And yet people still have very real spiritual needs. Bill, I'm wondering, um, you know, what you hear and what you see in in the workplace in relationship to chaplains. Yeah, uh, good topic. I personally am not seeing much in this. Uh, you know, chaplains are usually uh, in places like hospitals and prisons and in the military, those kind of places. And But it's much less common in corporate America, like manufacturing or service-oriented companies. I'm, you know, I, I kind of read this article and it, it didn't connect with me. I, I just mm. didn't. Uh, and the article, by the way, that, that we're referring to here is, uh, it's called Why, scrolling up to the top here, it's, uh, it's called Who's Giving American Spiritual Care as Congregational Attendants Shrink? It's often chaplains. I don't doubt the need for Americans to want and you know, you know, spiritual care. I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't doubt that at all. I just, you know, where do they go to get it? Right. Mm-hmm. And if they're losing faith in the church as an institution, even their local church as an institution, then they're kind of floating out there and saying, you know, how do I get connected to God? If I, and how do I connect to somebody who knows God? I can see why businesses would bring them on. Uh, but boy, that's a, I, you know, I look at that as a business owner, quite frankly, and mm-hmm. I see a lot of liability with that. I, mm. I just do. And I, I, would, I would be very careful about doing that simply because of the amount of <clears throat> litigation there is in our society. Um, you don't want people to say, if I didn't go to the chaplain, I didn't get a pay raise or I didn't get a promotion or something. There's, there's a lot of tentacles of this into the legal and the HR aspects of a business that as a business owner, I would be very careful about. Hmm. So um, I have a note here from somebody in Phoenix, Arizona, that uh, works in an electric company where they have a chaplain and they say our chaplain came on board um, during the pandemic to reach out to people who were having mental health um, issues because we were concerned about suicide prevention. Um, it's interesting that they would use a chaplain model yeah. in relationship to yeah. that, like that they would choose to use that language. I wonder, Bill, if the word chaplain um, has a wide enough definition as to almost be um, uh, legally untested. Like I, I remember in, in in seminary the conversation between or the conversation about you know you can you can say that you're offering um, spiritual support you can say that you're offering pastoral care but when you use the word counsel when you say you are offering counseling of any kind that word the word counsel or counseling has really strict legal definitions and you have a lot more liability I, I maybe they're um, using the term chaplain because they don't want to use the term counselor or counselor like do you see what i'm saying like and and they do recognize the spiritual nature of the challenges that people are facing 
not these people are not necessarily Christians, by the way. I think that's one of the other things to highlight here. When the question is asked, who's providing this spiritual um, service? It, it's it, it's not necessarily Christians, and even if it is a Christian, it's not necessarily the variety or brand of Christianity that you might uh, resonate with or recognize. Yeah, I you know all all that you said is true. I agree with you. Uh, is counseling? Uh, you know, are we using chaplains to do counseling? Uh, in some ways, they would have less liability because they're not offering themselves as a licensed psychologist. You know, I've lived mm-hmm. under that. I, I no mm-hmm. longer have my license as a psychologist, but I lived under that for a number of years. And we always felt as psychologists that pastors had a lot more leeway to do some interesting things in the counseling room than we did as psychologists. Uh, and they had a lot more uh, immunity to liability simply because of the the pastor parishioner relationship, you know, which is mm. ensconced in law. So I, I I don't know how businesses are doing this. I I will say this: if you're going to have a, a Christian chaplain, you better have a an imam there. You better have a rabbi. You better have maybe a universalist or something, because you know if you only cater to one particular brand of religion in your mm-hmm. chaplaincy, in your business, I personally, I just think you are opening yourself up to liability that you don't need. Hmm. Yeah, I think this is, um, we're going to be looking, if you're listening right now and you are involved in a business of any kind that um, has a chaplain or offers chaplain services, I, I want to hear from you. So text me, 877-933-2484. Maybe this is something we'll have a follow-up conversation about. Um, I'm I'm thinking about, you know, um, business owners who maybe are using this model or people who work for companies that do provide a chaplain um, or a chaplain service. And I kind of wonder if it's kind of like the school counselor. There was always a, you know, right, there was always a school counselor. I never, I never in, like, I'm trying to remember across all my years, did I ever go see the school counselor? I mean, I got sent to the principal's office with fair frequency, but I don't ever remember um, like going to the school counselor, and I wonder, um, I, I wonder if this is like that. Like it's a it's a voluntary thing. It's a person that's available, but obviously you're not required to use them. Yeah, I, I think most most HR professionals would say, let's not insource that. Let's outsource that. Ah, I, and, and and I and I would I would agree with that as as a business owner. I would say if somebody is going through a divorce or they have a a psychosocial need or a spiritual need, I would prefer to outsource that. And and look, I know that <clears throat> I know that some in your maybe many maybe most in the faith radio audience are a bit surprised at my hesitancy on this. Uh, but I have been sued more often than what I care to talk about, and most of the lawsuits come from the human resource angle of the business. And you don't want to go through these lawsuits. They are not fun. They are distracting. They they consume cycles and energy time and money and lots of money and um there there's this part of being wise as serpents and innocent as doves right and that you know i i personally uh, am hesitant to do anything for one type of religion in my office if i'm not doing it for the other religions and here's 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 a proverbial example that i use i used to in, in the first business i ever owned carmen we had prayer time 
in my office. And most of the people in the office were Christians. And so a couple times a week, we just stop working. We get together together. It was really great. Okay. It was, mm. it was good until my, one of my key sales gals who was not a Christian and wasn't sympathetic to Christianity, but was really very good at what she did, came in and complained to me. And she said, how come I don't get an hour off every week to go, you know, pray to Zen or to, you know, do my yoga mm. or something like that? And I thought, holy smokes, I've got a ticking time bomb on my hand. A, this is not good evangelism for her. She sees it as favoritism. And B, um, if she if she contacted a lawyer, I'm in a I'm in a world of hurt, and uh, and so we let those go on, but I stopped attending them, and I made it clear to my HR director that attendance at those prayer times could not be used in any way, shape, or form, or even be viewed in any way, shape, or form as connected to pay increases or promotions or anything else HR related. And eventually, over a few months, they petered out. And I was kind of glad they did. And I know that that's not what your audience wants to hear, but I was glad because it was something that it was, it was going to become a distraction and an angle for Satan to attack me that I just didn't need. Mm. And so that, that was, that's kind of the experience that I've had with that. Bill, thank you so much for sharing your experience. Hey, thank you to those of you who are texting in um, about your experience. Yep, I'm going to follow up with you guys um, off air and learn more about this. Thank you for the person who said, hey, you guys should check out Corporate Chaplains of America as well, yeah, um, because yeah. this is what they do. All right, so we're going to check all of that out. Maybe this is a conversation we'll circle back around to. Um, Bill, um, thank you so much. As always, we we value our time with you and we appreciate your input. You guys can connect with Bill English at BibleAndBusiness.com. You're listening to Maurice with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. Oh, bring us some figgy pudding. Oh, bring us some figgy pudding. Oh, bring us some. God rest ye, merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. All right, the chaplain and chaplaincy conversation is obviously of interest um, to you. So if you have an experience of a chaplain um, at work, in, in a work environment or in some other environment where, um, you know, it's it's not a hospital, it's not hospice, it's not a prison. Have you had a chaplain experience in some other um, organization? I, I'd love to know about that. I'd love to know the use of that language. Um, what's the scope of those services that are being provided? Um, you know, what are the expectations of that relationship? I just, I, I'm, I'm a little bit intrigued by this. It seems that more and more Americans are availing themselves of, quote, spiritual care from people who are not, you know, traditionally, quote, pastors. I would have to use a lot of quotes in a conversation about this. So text me if you've got an experience that um, that we could follow up on, 877-933-2484. Again, um, this is Carmen LeBurge on Mornings with Carmen here at Faith Radio. We had a conversation with Bill English just a moment ago about the uh, increasing dependence of Americans to get their spiritual care from chaplains, uh, many of them at work. And I just want to know if people have experience with that and what that looks like. So text me, 877-933-2484. Every single one of us um, has something uh, 
back there in our past that we probably haven't fully dealt with. If you have, if you know your trauma and you've worked your way through it, then you know, you know the liberating power um, of of living on the other side of, of trauma in a positive way. But there are lots of people who don't know that there's hope after trauma. Um, and so we want to talk about that. We want to talk about the wounds of trauma and how they can distort our view of God. We want to talk about what trauma is and some very simple keys to um, to healing. Evan and Jenny Owens are going to join us next. The book is Healing What's Hidden. Um, the, uh, the ministry is Reboot Recovery. All of that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Evan and Jenny Owens are joining us. They're the authors of Healing What's Hidden, Practical Steps to Overcoming Trauma. They also host a ministry called Reboot Recovery, and you can find it at RebootRecovery.com. Evan and Jenny, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So when we talk about um, trauma, what are we talking about? Because like I might define trauma in one way or think one way about it, and that might be um, limited in scope, but you guys are really casting a very broad definition here. Yeah. When we, when we talk about trauma and it's, you know, we think of it a lot of different ways with mental health terms and all this, but in its truest and most simplest form, trauma is simply a wound. That's actually the Greek word that trauma, the word that we use comes from. It means wound. And just like any wound, a wound can heal if proper steps are taken. And a lot of times we say that trauma is essentially our personal intersection with the brokenness of the world. And so if that's the case, there's going to come a time where we all have bad days, but there's going to be those worst days, those times when our lives directly intersect with the brokenness of the world. And that's going to rock us. That's going to create some trauma. And so we say trauma is our personal intersection with the brokenness of the world. Recovery is our personal intersection with the redemptive heart of God. All right. Repeat that. Repeat that. Because that's so good. Because one of the things you guys say is we're not we're not broken like we live in a broken world, but we do experience trauma. So. Again, That's give us exactly that. It. Give us that yeah, good definition yeah. of trauma and that really good definition of recovery. Yeah, I love what you just said that we're not broken, we're wounded and wounds can heal. And so our definition we say if trauma is our personal intersection with the brokenness of the world, well then recovery is our personal intersection with the redemptive heart of God. And that's really what we've spent, you know, the last decade of our life focusing on is what's that recovery from the spiritual wounds of trauma look like? Like, I feel like we could just, like, rest and revel in that for a moment. Um, I mean, like, we we are wounded, but wounds can heal. Um, and if I understand that my wound is that personal intersection, whatever whatever it is, m- my personal intersection with the brokenness of the world, um, then it opens me to conversations and a community of people whose personal intersections are different than mine, Right. Right. But we all but we all have them. And then we could enter into recovery, both personally and together in community, um, seeking to have that personal intersection with the redemptive heart of God. Like that's so inviting. And we Carmen, we have seen it so many times. Um, We started doing this about 11 or 12 years ago. Um, working with military members who had experienced trauma on the battlefield. But as we learned, trauma is everywhere. But if we can view 
these painful experiences as not just pain for pain's sakes, because if that's all it is, then there is no, no hope. But if we can view it from the lens of God is constantly working to restore and redeem that which seemed broken beyond all repair. He is in the business of bringing beauty out of ashes. He's in the business of finding, helping us to find purpose and pain. We've seen people's lives transform when they just can shift their perspective. And when they can see that amidst what they think is trash in their lives, there's things that can become a treasure for them. And then for the person next to them, who's watching them, who's wondering, how do I make sense of my painful experience of my worst day? And that community aspect, it shocked us. We didn't really know what to expect when we started doing this, but seeing these side to side relational transformations begin to take place where people just, as you said, were invited into this community where they recognize they weren't the only ones having these experiences. They weren't the only ones struggling with these thoughts or these doubts or feeling like the world or God or the universe was against them. And being able to link arms with others who are maybe just a few steps down the road and finding hope again in that and being able to find purpose and pain. All right, um, Jenny, you have used this purpose um, in pain and, and finding purpose in pain phrase a couple of times. You've also made a couple of references to restoring um, what seems broken beyond repair. I want to I wanna highlight um, both of those um, because you highlight them in the book as well. Um, what are some simple keys to healing that most people miss? Well, I'd say the, the first one is, you know, God's innate response to woundedness and brokenness is always and has always and will always be restoration, not replacement. You know, you look at that's what he says. I've come to make all things new, not I've come to make all new things. And so the first one is there's this idea that, well, if I could just heal, I'll get back to life how it was. I'll get back to the old me. But that's not really necessarily what it looks like, right? There's a there's a a version of us that that God's constantly molding and crafting in it. And if we fight against that healing, if we fight against it, we're really working against the innate processes or the God-given processes of things like grief, right? A lot of us, we might grieve, but we don't mourn. And there's differences. Mourning's the outturn, the external expression of grief, right? Because um, all of us, we have grief, whether we want to or not, it's going to happen, right? Or another example is uh, a lot of us, we we're not able to deal with the the shame, the guilt, and the regret of our life. And so we end up sort of being our own worst judge and our own worst enemy when 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 Christ commands us to forgive our enemies. A lot of times, the people we have the hardest time forgiving is ourselves. Um, or another example will be, you know, when we fight against the God-given uh, grace that he's given us and we refuse to accept that grace or we're unable to accept that grace in our life, well, then guess what? We become you know, ungracious people. We're not now, we're not forgiving other people. So now like it doesn't run to us and then through us. Instead, it just kind of gets blocked. And so these are the mistakes. What we do a lot of times is we we take God's given processes of dealing with trauma and rather than embrace them as healing agents, we actually, we don't mean to, this is not to add shame to our plate. I'm saying we just, we, we fight against those processes because they're so unpleasant mm. and none of us mm. want to go through them. And so um, we'd rather just take the bypass around trauma and hopefully think that we're going to get to the same destination. Um, we we are talking with Evan and Jenny Owens. You can find them at RebootRecovery.com. The book we're discussing, Healing What's Hidden, Practical Steps to Overcoming Trauma. Um, when you When you think about 
um, the process of converting pain into purpose. You guys actually offer this transformational equation. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. And again, this, this comes from years of just observing, listening, um, doing life with people um, who, are, who are living these things out. And we recognize um, there's some components that are that need to be a part of the process. Now, this is not the only thing, but these things need to be present, I think, for healing to happen and to be sustained. And that is safety plus su- stability plus support over time re- reduces to healing. And so we know that safety, that's that's a first critical element. Um, it's, we use the analogy of um, if you're in the middle of an earthquake, the best thing to do is not necessarily to start trying to respackle the cracked walls mm. or to really take inventory of all the damage when the earthquake is happening. No, you need to get to safety. And then when that has, when you, things have settled, you can come back in and you can start making plans and start assessing the damage and start working towards um, repairing. And so that's the first key. Um, and we want to help people establish safety, understand who are safe people, what are safe spaces. We want our courses uh, that Reboot Recovery offers to be that for people and help people to begin understanding what that is. Um, and then uh, stability involves uh, having a community around you. As we've alluded to, this is a group-based kind of uh, course or intervention. I don't want to use the word intervention, but um, process that people go through. And so having people next to you, we've learned that you can make it through hell on earth if you've got the right people beside you. And so having people that, as, that I said, are safe, that have that lived experience and understanding that you can, you can lean on and then recognizing again that God is a stable force in your life, rekindling that relationship. This, these courses are Christian faith-based, but we do welcome people of all faith backgrounds or having no faith background because we want to introduce them to the healer. Um, and that's, that's a big part of our heart. I mean, then finally, um, support. We recognize that you're going to need other things in your life that can help you as, as you continue to heal. Trauma is just one piece. A lot of times people who have trauma also have relationship dysfunction. They have um, dependencies on substances. They may have financial challenges. And so uh, there's a process at the end of the book that recognizes we've got to have other things that are being connected to the local church, other things in our life that can continue to support us as we walk through this healing journey. Mm, I love that. I love that. We're talking with Evan and Jenny Owens. We're talking about their ministry, Reboot Recovery, which you can find at RebootRecovery.com. Today, we're talking about the book, Healing What's Hidden, Practical Steps to Overcoming Trauma. We'll return to this conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at MyFaithRadio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to, you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. Back to the show. Again, thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at MyFaithRadio.com. 
I'll be home for Christmas You can plan we're talking with Evan and Jenny Owens. Their book is Healing What's Hidden, Practical Steps to Overcoming Trauma. Their ministry is Reboot Recovery. You can find them at RebootRecovery.com. Um, you talk about four wounds of trauma in the, uh, in the, in the second part of the book. Talk, talk with us about um, the way trauma distorts our view of God, um, others, and even ourselves. Yeah, so the four wounds we outlined are... Um, what we call root wounds. And I'll just say this, what what I have found in my own life and, and in the lives of others is typically we want to focus on fruit instead of root. And mm-hmm. so we want the symptoms to be gone. That's what we spend most of our time in our health talking about is I don't want to feel anxious. I don't want to feel depressed. I don't want to feel sad. I don't want to feel tired. I don't want to feel sick, whatever it is. Those really most of the time are just physical manifestations of a deeper emotional, mental, or spiritual root, right? And so what we dive into in the book is these four root woundings. One is loss. One is guilt, shame, and regret. One is rejection, neglect, and abandonment, which are issues of worthlessness or feeling worthless. And the last is hurt and abuse, um, which there we talk about fear and finding peace when our life is full of fear. And so these, these four wounds, these four categories of wounds, I should say, are often the way that, you know, when Satan finds a, uh, a, a trail, if you will, a little dirt trail into our lives, his goal is always to turn that trail into a five lane highway. So he Mm. can come and go as he pleases. And this is what we found is a lot of people, they'll get to one of these places and Satan will find one of these is their area of vulnerability. And so this starts to distort our view of God, because when, when we have this five lane highway in and of our lives, we start to feel like God is not for us. We start to feel like God is not defending us. He's not fighting on our behalf. And so we start to feel like maybe in fact, God's not our ally. Maybe in fact, he is our enemy because after all, he allowed this bad thing to happen and he continues to allow these bad things into my life and and we start to you know misplace the blame and that starts to say okay well well you know it begins first well well it was all my fault and then it's well it's mine and god's fault and a lot of times we never get around to actually blaming the true source which is that we live in a fallen world because of sin and so um yeah and so that's the way that root wounds kind of work at a high level we go into it a lot of detail in the book obviously um and when we speak but but that's a high level uh summary yeah it it Sin is the root of it all, and right. um, and so thank you for um, thank you for directing us there and taking us there. Um, I think that for some people that that seems as if well then um, everyone is subject to it. Um, why am I subject to it in this particular way? Um, is there have you experienced? this desire for people to understand the why and there's not always a why to trauma beyond sin is real and we are subject to it. Right. Right. And at least not a why that we may understand this side of heaven. Right. Right. And, um, right. It's interesting. I was just on a podcast that, that was about the why questions. And the final question they asked me is, you know, what's a why me moment in your life? And I laughed and I said, you know, in in my experience, having worked with this subject for so long, 
there are rarely answers to the why questions. I know there's the book, Start With Why, and Simon Sendick would tell us to start with why, but my experience with trauma healing and starting with why is not the best starting place. Matter of fact, it's usually the most unproductive. The best place to start mm-hmm. is the who. Mm-hmm. Who am I? Who does God say I am? Who is he? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, uh, what does he say about my situation? Right? How do I go about healing? How is this going to change me? How am I going to recycle this trash and make it into treasure? How is he doing that in my life? You see, it's the the who, the what, the how questions that I have found generate much more momentum and traction moving forward. The why question, you kind of end up just shouting at the sky a lot of times. And uh, that not, not that that's not a good part of the grieving process. And I think God wants us to express that to him. And I think he desires for us to know him that way. But when we don't get an answer, we can get stuck, I'm afraid, um, on the why questions. And it feels like we're unable to move forward until we get that. And like I said, that may not happen this side of heaven. And what a tragedy if we we miss out on the very gift of uh, of life that God has given us because we sit parked instead of of moving forward. And that's ultimately Satan's biggest win, right, is if he can neutralize us for the majority of our lives, take away our natural gifting, take away our calling, take away our destiny, take away our purpose, take away our meaning, then he wins. Mm. Kim's on our text line right now. Um, Kim says, thank you so much for having um, the Owens on. I, I need help with trauma. Um, when we get to that place where we recognize we need help, um, what what are some things you could encourage us to do? Well, specifically, um, you can plug into a reboot recovery course. Um, we haven't talked much about the ministry, but um, what started in our living room 10 or 11 years ago, just working with military members and their families has grown now to addressing three specific populations, military, first responders and their families, because they encounter trauma every day. And then just the general public, um, especially in the wake of COVID-19 pandemic and just all the things going on in our world right now, um, trauma is uh, a prevailing force that we Mm -hmm. are rising up against through these uh, small groups that meet in communities across the country. So um, definitely connect with us on our website, rebootrecovery.com. You can search for what locations are currently available. Um, We'll have a lot more openings after the first of the year because they run Mm -hmm. in 12-week Uh, sessions. And so we have a lot starting in January. Um, But if that's not an option for you, um, check out, check out the book. But most importantly, um, I think begin inviting others into the conversation. I think so often we suffer in silence and in isolation. And and someone once said uh, that isolation is a dead man's cave. Mm -hmm. And um, if we keep these things in the dark, uh, they will continue to grow and um, cut us off from the sources of hope that are the body of Christ and Christ himself. And so we want you to um, be encouraged to find a safe person to begin talking with. And even if that person's not a quote unquote professional, that's the thing. These courses and Evan and I, um, we are coming at this from a, a peer led sort of perspective, recognizing that each Christian I believe is equipped with the basic tools to do life support for somebody who is um, struggling in these ways. And yes, sometimes people need professional support and that can happen down the road, but everybody um, can sit and listen and ask questions with with grace and curiosity. Um, and so find that person in your life and begin to have that conversation. I love the language of life support. Thank you for that. I've, uh, I've made note of that. All right. We want you guys to connect directly um, with, uh, with Evan and Jenny at the website rebootrecovery.com. 
the book is a wonderful starting place, but I want to encourage you if you start it, I want you to encourage, I want to encourage you to finish it. Um, Healing What's Hidden, Practical Steps to Overcoming Trauma. Thank you so much for being with us today and for the gift of this ministry. It was an honor. Thank you for Thank having you. us. Yeah, likewise. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Hey, thank you again for all of your engagement on the text line this morning. Thank you for your prayers. I'll be praying for you as well. Um, Engage with us at MyFaithRadio.com. Get today's um, holiday hints on Facebook at Mornings with Carmen. Yep, I'm posting one every single day. It's a little bit fun. Um, And email me your holiday hint ideas. Email me, Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.